Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. of justice and building justice and and what that means in our lives because it's just part of our culture. It's part of our heritage. It's what we are as a people, if we're being honest. And it's what God does for us every day. And so he gave me a passage, Psalms 25, 8 through 9. It says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice And he teaches the humble his way. And I got to looking at this verse. I'm like, what has that got to do with justice? You know, here I am thinking, cowboy up, we're going to do some justice. And when you look at this verse, justice is kind of defined just a little bit different. In fact, it leads off the verse with the goodness of God, just like we got through singing. And so I had to dive into this a little bit. And like I said, we went on vacation. And if you ever go with the Montgomery's on vacation, you might find yourself actually going to a church service. It's very exciting for the kids. Go all the way to Dallas and, hey, kids, we're going to church again. Yay! Not to worry, we went to the water park afterwards. And so as I sat there listening, I love going to other churches, not only just to see other Christians worshiping God, but also, you know, to appreciate what we have here and what we have going on here, to be that brotherhood, that unity of the Spirit, that what they're doing in Dallas is the same thing we're doing here. Now, I do want to appreciate you from coming up out of Dallas, because when it comes to justice, nothing worse than driving, and I love my kids to death, I do, I love my kids to death, nothing worse than driving in Dallas and that traffic, there are people everywhere going every speed possible from 20 to 90, and they're all on all sides of you, and Siri can't keep up with the directions, and so you're making left turns instead of right turns, and you're getting lost while the kids are in the back of the car poking at each other, and you're having to dispense justice while you're trying to get around in traffic. God bless you for putting up with that all those years. We don't have that in Panhandle. But anyway, before we get too much further, let's just pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this chance just to be here this morning. We thank you for your justice in our lives, your, your love in our lives, your grace in our lives. We pray for our kids as they go to camp. These bracelets are a great idea. I can walk around the rest of the week and see that name on my hand and know i got to be praying for something. So thank you for whoever came up with that idea. But just bless Caitlin and her team as they go down there. It's not easy to be out in the June heat at Panfork with a bunch of kids while you're pregnant. So we just ask for protection over them. But also just a blessing is a good time. And for all those people who are away from church this morning on vacation, Lord, let them meet more than enough as they're on their vacation, except for Greg and Tammy Wendell, who are on the coast in Florida. They've seen enough good and wonder. It's time to come back. I don't know if you've seen their pictures. It's beautiful. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Let your spirit be amongst us. Amen. So anyway, back on the topic. I'd like to gently, gently, very gently contend with you today that the way he talks about up there in Psalms starts at the condition of our hearts. Justice is God looking at us and saying, I made a way for you. If you'll reach out and grab it, I made a way for you, and I'm going to bring you back to that way if you'll just humble yourselves under my cross. It starts with the condition of our hearts. He looks at our sin and forgives us. 
And in doing so, we see his heart. In doing so, we see his goodness. And what does that sound like? Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, you were de- you've all heard this verse before. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, we too all formerly lived life in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, and here's where the justice comes in, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us live together with Christ Jesus. I think that is the core of Jesus' and God's definition of justice, is we too walked in those ways. We too were walking in ways that destroyed the flesh, destroyed the mind, and made the world a worse place. But he sent Jesus as a sacrifice. That's justice. And when we stop down and think about it, that's the type of justice I need to embrace more of. Because on the other hand, unforgiveness causes bitterness in the heart. Somebody upsets you, somebody hurts your feelings, you start thinking something, you start feeling something, and that bitterness grows and grows and grows. It grows into anger, it grows into rage. And we live in such a time where forgiveness has just been tossed by the wayside a lot. If you have pain in your lives, we're going to give you a microphone. If you're upset, we're going to champion you and bring you up in front of the masses so you can be the accuser of the brethren. You see that in our newspapers, our news media, on Facebook. It's the course of bitterness in our lives. But I think love may be the message of the gospel, but forgiveness is the highest expression of that love. It's so important that Jesus mentions it when he's holding the Beatitudes and talking to the masses. He even mentions it in Matthew 5.43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. It's a glimpse of what it means to, be forgive, to, to offer forgiveness and to receive forgiveness. He mentions it being so important that he... Uh, mentions it in the Lord's Prayer. The disciples sat down and Jesus, they say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he includes this in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 12. Forgive us of our debts as we have also been forgiven, or as we also forgive our debtors. Jumping down to verse 14, he says, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will also not offer forgiveness of your transgressions. So there's two things there. Number one, it's highly important, so important that Jesus mentions it as part of a prayer to God. But it's also as much as you forgive other people, that will also be forgiven you. That's how the Lord looks at us. That if you forgive, I'm going to forgive you. And it's, a, it's an account balance thing. If I'm out forgiving people for the sin they do against me and the hurt they cause me, then he's also going to be faithful to forgive me in those places. A couple of weeks ago, we mentioned at Pentecost, It was a time celebrated as God releasing the Holy Spirit. His Spirit came more to release the kingdom inside of us so that we can release it to the people out there. And it starts with forgiveness. It starts here in our hearts with Him engaging in those places so that we can be productive out there with His world. 
And there's nothing more unproductive than unforgiveness, right? You wake up in the morning, you're automatically mad, you're automatically upset, you're on a family vacation, things aren't going right, this person over here at work hurts your feelings, or maybe you go to church and they're doing this thing all wrong, or maybe that guy over there on Facebook's talking this, and it just eats you up alive from another peaceful morning. You're wanting justice. You're wanting them to stop. You're wanting the situation to get just. And I'll contend with you that it will, but we have first have to enter into forgiveness. And the older we get, the more pain we collect and the more dysfunctional adulthood gets if we don't do something with that unforgiveness, with that hurt, with that bitterness. And we've all seen people, right? You've walked around and you've seen people, oh, they're just eat up with bitterness. We've been in situations where all of a sudden the conversations are so hateful and angry that it just makes you ill on the inside. In fact, in Proverbs, it even says that bitterness causes the bones to decay. I mean, that's how dangerous bitterness is. And that's why forgiveness is so important. Paul in Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. But be kind and tender-hearted to one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. There's a lot of always conversations about grieving the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? But it's there in the black and white. You don't have to go looking through some exegesis to find out what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. He says in the next verse, bear with one another. Or I'm sorry, he says, let all bitterness and wrath be gone from you. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God has done with us through Christ Jesus. And that's justice you can't escape from being forgiven. That's justice that makes you a better person. That's justice that not only clears up the room inside of you, but includes clears up the room outside of us. And it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lead you astray. It's hard to forgive people sometimes because the world out there is so crazy, but that's why forgiveness is so much more important. Paul continues in Colossians 3.12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, and whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you should also forgive them. I mean, it's pretty powerful stuff. And it's part of our heritage. It's the way we walk. It's a way that was released in Christianity back in Jesus' time before there was a time. I mean, if you remember back in the New Testament, one of the things they got upset about most was, was Jesus walking around saying, your sins are forgiven. Immediately, they got upset. How can you dare forgive somebody? There's, there's things we have to walk through to get forgiveness. There's things you have to do to earn forgiveness. Jesus just looked at him and said, your sins are forgiven. That's how important it is to him, and that's how important it is to the way we walk. Now, I'm mentioning the Holy Spirit. There's also another place in the Bible where it links Holy Spirit and forgiveness. In John 20. 21, Jesus said to them, he's up there, the disciples are gathered in the upper room, Thomas is up there, you remember this story, Thomas is saying, oh, I don't believe Jesus has come back unless I see the the scars in his hands, right? You remember this story? And all of a sudden, Jesus appears, here I am, behold the scars. And Thomas is there looking at the nails they drove into our Savior's hands. Now, shortly after that scene, he says to them in verse 21, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. 
If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. So what does that mean? There's all these different things you can find out there on the internet about what that means, but there in the plain black and white is we're retaining people's sins if we refuse to forgive them. We're storing up wrath within ourselves if we refuse to forgive them. And we're storing up wrath for them too. And it's a hard place to walk, forgiving people. But it's also a more peaceful walk if I let God deal with that and let the Holy Spirit deal with that instead of letting less deal with that. I'm just not very good at it. I'm just not very good at all at dealing with what that is. I've already mentioned to you that I had a real trouble even trying to get into this place because I'm so in love with the justice part of locking people away and making them serve sentences for crimes they committed. But that's not what Jesus did with me. That's not Jesus. what Jesus did with me at all. It's central to the way mentioned in Psalms 25. In Hebrews 12, 14, it says, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Pursuing that peace, forgiving people, allows them to see Christ through us. It says in verse 15, See to it that no one comes short of grace, that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble. So there's two things there. Bitterness springing up causing trouble, and he finishes with, and by it they might be defiled. Holding back forgiveness, allowing that bitterness to stir in our hearts, allowing it to stir in our minds, causes all kinds of trouble to to, to just pop up. And it defiles us. You don't feel very good afterwards after thinking those thoughts and doing those things. You just don't feel good afterwards. And so where's the relief? How do we get the relief? The anger came from pain. Your pain is real. Don't hear me not say that the feelings you have aren't real. Don't hear me say the pain that they caused you isn't real because it is. It hurts. It hurts like heck. The things people do to one another makes you cry, makes you sad on the inside. In fact, it stymies growth because I'm unwilling, because that hurts so bad. And so it is real. It's just what we do with it that makes the difference. It's how we handle it that brings God's justice into the equation. It's how we handle it that brings God's goodness into the equation. Bitterness pollutes. If you look at the root of things and you throw it into water, sometimes it makes the water bitter, right? If you take the wrong medicine, it's just sometimes going to taste bad for you. And once again, we've all been in those situations where we're exhausted from being in a room with people who are just eat up with bitterness. And there's a better way. There's forgiveness offered in the cross. It says in Ephesians 4.26, Be angry and yet do not sin. We've heard this before. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. If you hold that in your heart, you're giving the devil an opportunity. It doesn't matter if you're saved, baptized, Christian, unchristian. It says there in the black and white, when we don't confess that, if we don't get rid of that, it gives the devil an opportunity. I would contend that demonic oppression occurs because of that. You wake up in the morning, you're scrolling through Facebook, and you see somebody on vacation, you think, well, why did they get to go on vacation? Why do they deserve to be happy? And the voice of the accuser takes off in your mind. Those people don't deserve that. Maybe they do. Maybe that's God's goodness. Or, or, or worse yet, and I'm going to poke a few bears here. I'm poking myself when I do it. I'm sorry. 
But you see them, and automatically you start thinking in your mind, I don't like that person. I don't like that person because of this. I don't like that person because of that. Look at the shoes they're wearing. How could he even wear that shirt on stage? In my wife's case, she's just thinking I told them to wear something different. But some of you, you may not like the Hawaiian. But it's the voice of the accuser in our head. It's the bitterness. It's something in us that we've got to get off our chest, something we've got to get out of our hearts. It's so important. If you see a person walk in the room and you start to slightly physically manifest, you might have some bitterness in your heart. If you see them smile and wonder, how in the world can that person be smiling? I know what's going on behind their life. You might be holding some bitterness. Me too. Me too. It's a hard place to walk. But let me tell you something. You're too important. You are too important to hold on to that. You're too important to allow that to rule your life. You're so important to the world around you, to the people sitting next to you. It's not just this whole concept of for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. It's the people around you in the church pews. It's the people around you at work, in the drive through at Walmart or the thriftway. You're so important to the way this world is going that you have to get that off your chest and you have to give it to the right person to get hold of. Exodus 15 has a great example of that. If you have your Bibles, Exodus 15, it's this beautiful story You've ever heard that, uh, that, that, that Bible verse, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord? I love that verse, right? Because I'm a man of justice. I love justice. Exodus 14 is a great example of that verse coming alive. Here were the Hebrew papal enslaved for 400 years. At first, it was great. They had a place in the palace. They could do whatever they want. They had the finest fields. But then something changed. The Egyptians got jealous and bitterness took over. In fact, in, if you look over to, in uh, Exodus 1.14, they got so jealous it actually says they made their lives bitter with hard labor. So for 400 years they set in this exile place, this hard place. And if you read through Exodus, I mean, they got treated pretty crummy, right? And then all of a sudden Moses shows up the second time. The first time it didn't go so well because God had to deal with him. That's a whole other sermon for another time. But Exodus 14, God shows up, delivers them, shows up to be the God who delivers them out of bondage, delivers them out of slavery. All of a sudden, they were one day slaves, the next day walking free. And not only were they walking free, but the Egyptians were throwing gold at them. Get out of here. Take everything you got. We just want you gone. Gold, silver, couches, love seats. I mean, they were getting the whole shebang. And then on top of that, he opens up a sea for them. I mean, what have you ever seen that? Here's this army coming after me, and God opens up this sea for me, and we walk, and, you know, if you go clear up Lake Meredith, you're going to have to tromp through some mud. That's not what happened with these guys. It was like walking on dry ground. They got to escape the Egyptians. And if that wasn't enough, he allowed the sea to close in on the Egyptian army, wiping them out. They didn't have to fear those people ever again. It was such a good time and such a miraculous time that in Exodus 15, all of a sudden, Moses starts singing a song, gets up in front of all the people. And I don't sing as well as Moses does or as well as Riley does, so I'll speak this out to you. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord and said, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he is hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God. 
and I will extol him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. If you jump down to verse 20, all of a sudden the women get involved. It says Miriam the prophetess grabbed a tambourine and she took it in one hand and all the other women followed her with tambourines singing the song. In fact, it still says in the Bible, they're still singing the song in heaven about how great God is. He just delivered us, took us out of bondage. It's a wonderful sight. They're celebrating and having a good time. But what happens next? Exodus 15, 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah. It was so bad they mentioned it twice. For they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. They mentioned it three times. That's how bad the water was in Marah. What's going on? We just got free from those people, and you've led us all the way out here, Moses. We can't drink this water. It's bitter. And they grumbled. And they looked at Moses, and they said, what shall we just drink? I mean, a couple of verses ago, here was God Almighty opening up Red Seas, delivering you out of Egypt. Why weren't they calling out to, to God? They were calling out to Moses. Moses, save us. So Moses does what he should have. He cried out to the Lord in verse 25. It says, Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. God had to deal with something that was going on there. And then they come out of this giant victory. He gave them everything they asked for, everything they prayed for, everything their generations had prayed for. And here they are drinking bitter water. There's something not right there. It's in the celebration and the victory that God says, We've got to deal with something. This bitterness can't exist in you. Don't drink from the bitter waters. If there's anybody who was treated unfair in this world, it was the Hebrews. They didn't ask to be born into that. Go make some bricks. You guys don't get any beef. We're only going to give you vegetables. Go work my garden. You don't get to eat the vegetables anymore. We're only going to give you what you can scrape off the land. Here's some bricks. Oh, we're going to cut down your mud. We're going to cut down your straw. It was a harsh life. It was a horrible life. For 400 years, I would contend that maybe they weren't just mad at Moses, maybe they were also mad at God. You ever been there? How could you lead me to this place? How could you lead me to this place where one day we're having steak and lobster and the next day I'm here eating with a can of tuna and grateful for it? There's a place in us sometimes that's got to reconcile what's going on in this world with the man upstairs. And it starts with forgiveness, as hard as it sounds. If I humble myself under his hands and go to that place, some things can open up. It says in Hebrews 3, looking back on this verse, Hebrews 3, 7, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts, as when they provoked me, as in the day of the trial of wilderness, where your fathers tested me. Therefore I was angry with this generation and said, They will always go astray in their hearts. That bitterness was in their hearts, and because of it, they would always go astray. They drank the bitter water. Now, knowing all that, leaving all that there, going back up to verse 25, a couple things. Where else do you see a tree mentioned in the Bible? That's coming to you, right? First in Genesis, there was two trees in the garden. But also it says in the Old Testament, whoever is hanged on a tree is cursed, right? Now, here's Moses seeing a vision of a tree, and he throws it in the bitter water and makes the water sweet. Where else did you see that? It blew my mind when, when, when I heard this. You got to go to Calvary. You got to go all the way up. 
and I forget the number of years, to Jesus. Matthew 27, 33. And they came to a place called Golgotha, which also means the mind, which means place of the skull, and they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, also translated as bitter. And after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink it. Here was Jesus, led a perfect life. Here was Jesus, never committed a sin. In fact, not only did he not commit a sin, he got abuses hurled on him. They were out to kill him. His family made fun of him. They distanced themselves from him. But here was Jesus on a cross. They gave him something to drink. I just hauled that cross up that hill. It's heavy. They've poked my hands and my legs. They offer him something to drink. He doesn't drink it. If there's anybody who should have some unforgiveness, it should have been Jesus hanging on a cross. Well, that was his job. That's why he was born, to be our He's still human. He's still flesh and blood. He still has to look down there and see these people, despite the fact. I mean, how, how cold is it that you're up here hanging on a cross, and these jokers are down here fighting over who gets your clothes? Or still hurling the word back at the word. You know how ironic that is? Here's the word on the cross, and they're busy quoting the word to him to make fun of him. I mean, that's harsh. That's cold. But there's our Savior doing that on the cross. He could have said, I didn't sign up for this. He could have said, I'm done. Get me off this cross. What have you done to me? Instead, he took the cross for us. Now, the difference in Jesus and the wilderness adventure is they tried to give him bitter of the water to drink, but notice he didn't drink it. He didn't drink it at all. In fact, they gave him sweet wine later, which is kind of going back to the text. He drank it for strength. Because him taking the cross cleared up the bitterness. And that's where the justice comes in. He didn't deserve that cross. I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve to even be up here on this stage. But by his grace, I have been forgiven. And by his grace, one day I get to join him in heaven. But it starts with forgiveness. And that's the central part, I think, of God's justice. That's the central part of his hand in my life and him being a just God is that despite my sins, despite the things I do, despite the things I say or the things I think, he's got forgiveness for me. And it starts with us forgiving other people. The pain is real. The hurt is real. Don't, I mean, once again, but what we do with it is different. Because the Egyptians, they looked at Moses and they said, Moses, we can't drink this. Moses looked to God and said, God, help me. Jesus looked at the mockings, not only at the people who put nails in his hands and nails in his legs, not just those preachers and those pastors and those people that were sitting down there fighting over his clothes and tormenting him. There's Peter. Peter's hugging my mom. That joker left out and denied me three times. Jesus looks out on him and says, God forgive them for they know not what they do. And that's powerful. And because of that, I have salvation. Because of that, I have a way that makes the world a better place. Because of that, I'm a better person.
It says back in Hebrews 3.15, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as the day when they provoked me. If I've somehow triggered you or brought up some painful memories, I apologize. I do. I ask you to forgive me, but at the same time, I ask you also to take that to the Lord Jesus. It isn't fair what they did to you. It isn't fair how they treated you. It wasn't fair what you don't have. It's a hard, hard world out there. But in that hard world, I have justice in God because number one, just as he did with the Hebrews, there's a time coming when people will find the justice of God and vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, will take over. But until then, there's that forgiveness because he says until every knee bow and every tongue confess that we get to keep going and trying to bring people into the kingdom. That's the reason Pastor Brent's out in the community bringing people into the church. It's that important that people get to know Jesus Christ. It's that important that your neighbor, your friends, I'm glad, like I said, I have this bracelet. So now I can go to work with this purple bracelet on. And Well, why do you got a bracelet on? Because I'm praying for people going to camp. And that might spur them to pray. It might actually pick up their faith. It might actually spark them to say, hey, I want to pray for somebody too. Or, hey, maybe I need to go pray for somebody because I haven't been to church in a long time and I need to go back to church. That forgiveness inside of him, once again, releases his goodness. And if you're going back to Psalms 25, I mean, that's how that call to forgiveness starts. It's a lot easier if you have the Bible because you can just flip. These iPads, you've got to scroll up and down. It says, good and upright is the Lord. He instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in justice and teaches the humble his way. And that's our heritage, that's our legacy, is even though they hurt us, I get to forgive them. Even though they they made my life difficult, I get to forgive them. The world doesn't want to operate that way. It just wants to drag that stone-cold justice across the front of us and say, you deserve what you get. You get what you deserve. And that's not our heritage, that's not our legacy, because what's been taught to us is that we've been forgiven, so we should forgive others. In fact, there's a promise. The more you forgive people, the more God will forgive you. And I so desperately need it. So desperately need it. Call the worship team up if you guys don't mind. Like I said, it wasn't right. It wasn't fair the way they treated you. And I'm sorry that happened to you. But if if you feel that unction in your heart, if you feel that in your bones, I'd ask you to bow your heads. God proclaims vengeance is mine. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to come in this room with the sword of your spirit to examine our hearts. If there is any root of bitterness towards someone, even you, Lord, would you search me? If in a day of anger, out of fear, out of pain or hurt, I took things into my own hands, Lord, I ask you humbly to forgive me. As I as a human, and so are they, and as a child of your forgiveness, I'm asking for your grace to touch my heart. Allow me to let them go, just as you let me go. It might be decades of pain, Lord, but I'm trusting you with that pain. Lord, it's you that can heal that, not me. You can deal with the pain. You and I together can heal that place in us. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to produce the fruit of love in our hearts through forgiveness. And as you said, Father, forgive them. Allow me to do the same. 
I'm going to let them off the hook this very minute. And I'm going to forgive them every time that voice comes back in my heart. The pain doesn't last forever because you are Jehovah Rapha. That's the interesting thing about that verse over in Exodus 15. For the first time in the Bible, God is called Jehovah Rapha. He was their deliverer, and now he was going to be their healer. And he offers the same to you today. He offers that same justice to you today. That for once you were alienated from God, but through Jesus Christ you are no longer alienated. Or maybe you, you, you know God and you love Jesus and you love the idea of love. But you just can't get past that point. He offers you a chance to forgive them today and not drink of the bitter water, but instead to drink of His love. It's not about reconciliation. It's not about things being made right in an instant. It's about you and God dealing with the trouble. You and God dealing with the pain. Because you're worth too much. You're too valuable to go through the rest of this day, the rest of this week, with that in your hearts. We'll have people set up in the four corners of the room if you'd like to pray. We're here for you. We'd be glad to help walk you through those situations. But above all, know that Jesus loves you. And because of that love, his justice says, I forgive you. Your sins have been forgiven. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.